You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, The Jesus Tree, Part 8. Enjoy. We're in this series right now called The Jesus Tree. We're talking about our family tree, our supernatural family tree. In other words, when, when a person puts their faith in Christ, they, they, they're born into a new family. It's God's family. When you put your faith in Jesus as your Lord, you believe that he rose from the dead for you. And you open your mouth and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Something very powerful happens. The Holy Spirit enters you, your spirit, and makes your spirit brand new. And from that moment on, you become one of God's sons or daughters, one of his children. Okay? So we're talking about who we are in Christ in this series. That we're new creations in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. That we're the righteousness of God in Christ. Okay? We don't have to try to be righteous. It doesn't work. God gave us his righteousness as a gift. If you have to work for it, it's not a gift. Okay? The whole essence of our relationship with Jesus is faith. Believing. All right, that's what we do. We believe what he's done for us. We've been talking about the nature and will of our father. It's good to know who your father is if you're in a family, right? Now, you may have had, I, I had some challenges with my biological dad, but that's okay. God is a perfect father, all right? So I want to encourage you, regardless of what your experience may or may not have been with your uh, earthly father, I, I, wanna, I want you to know the, the, your heavenly father will never hurt you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never betray you. He'll never beguile you. Okay? In fact, we said a simple statement in the last couple of weeks. We said, God is good. And most will say, well, okay, I, I, I guess. You know, yeah, he's good. But I, mean, I really mean it. We really mean that here. That God is literally 100% good. Okay? 100%, 100% of the time, okay? So he's really good all the time and in every way, all right? Now, Jesus cleared this up. You can read the Old Testament and really get confused. The Bible is a progressive revelation of God. Do you guys know that? There's some major darkness in the Old Testament. They didn't understand God. If something happened, they, just, they didn't know why. They just said God did it. That's how they were. There was a lot of ignorance in the Old Testament as to who God really was. And, we've, and I'm sure as the Lord leads, we'll get into stuff. We've done studies on that before, how the Old Testament is misunderstood. But Jesus came to clear that up, all right? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 says that God has spoken to us through his Son in these last days and that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. In other words, if you want a clear picture of your heavenly Father, study Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. I'm telling you, he, it might be shocking to you how good He is. He's so kind. He's so gracious. He's so loving. He's your healer. Okay? So we made, we made a, a, what might seem like a crazy statement. We said God is good and because of Jesus, because of the nature he demonstrated to us in his ministry, we can say without a doubt that God is not causing the bad things that are happening in this world. 
and he is not allowing them to happen. And I know that sounds crazy. But boy, when you start to study Jesus, it becomes clear. In other words, Jesus, there's a number of scriptures, Matthew 7, 11, John 10, 10, Acts 10, 38, James 1, 17. We could go on all day with the scriptures to talk about the goodness of God. But in other words, if we say God is good, but then in another breath we say, well, he might not be causing the bad things, but he allows them. What we're really saying is that God could stop these bad things from happening, but he chooses not to, right? And it's so simple. If you'll just think of Jesus' example in Matthew chapter 7. He said, if you being a, you know, a, a fallen short human being, know how to give good gifts to your children. If your son asks for bread, are you going to give him a stone? Right? If he asks for fish, are you going to give him a serpent? Of course not. So, in other words, um, if, if we say God is good, but then we say, well, he allowed that little child to, to die of that disease, something's wrong with that thinking. Very, very wrong. Then he's not really good. Because if I, as an earthly father, could stop my child from getting a disease and dying of a disease, and I chose not to, would I be good? And see, the theology will try and confuse. Well, you know, there's some hidden divine reasons. No, Jesus cleared it up for us. Read the Gospels. Matthew chapter 7, if you want to go right to it, Matthew chapter 7, 11. Jesus let us know very simply how good God is. So even though we say God is good, you may find there are things you've believed about God that aren't good. And those things will block the good things he wants to do in your life. Those things will give the enemy an avenue into our lives. Okay? So we learned that. We, saw, we said that God is sovereign, but he can't do anything he wants to do. That sounds crazy. People say, well, God is all-powerful, and he's sovereign. That means he can do anything. No, it doesn't mean that. The definition of the word sovereign means that he's above all. That's what it means, okay? Being all-powerful means he, he has the ability to do anything. But in his sovereignty, he has established a system in the earth way back in Genesis. And he cannot violate that. It's so important to understand. Satan understands this. Many Christians don't. God, we learned last, I think it was last Sunday, the things that God can't do. He cannot violate his own word. Never has and never will. He cannot lie. Never has, never will. He can't tempt anyone with evil. Right? See, that's another thing I love about Jesus. He taught us what was evil and what was good. Right? He was healing people. He was casting out demons. And the religious leaders were accusing him of doing it by Satan's power. And I know this is review, but it, it needs to be said again. I just want to follow the Holy Spirit. So they began to accuse Jesus of doing these things by Satan's power. He said, if a kingdom's divided against itself, it can't stand. In other words, if, if Satan's causing this stuff and I'm, I'm rebuking Satan, then his kingdom can't stand. But he said, but if I'm doing this by the power of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. So if God in one moment is healing this person and killing that person, that's a divided kingdom. That's a, that's, that's a confused, twisted God. We can't have faith in a God like that. How do you know what he's going to do tomorrow then? He's good to so-and-so, but how, is he going to be good to you? Well, I don't know. 
He healed so-and-so, but who knows about me? No. He's good to everyone all the time. I know this because it's shocking, but it is true. And again, study Jesus. Don't take my word for it. Study Jesus. So the Bible we saw last week teaches us that, that actually unbelief or wrong believing can limit what God wants to do in our lives. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That he's not the Wizard of Oz pulling levers. and No, he's, he's, he's looking for someone who will believe in him. He's searching, Second Chronicles 69, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart belongs to him. Amen. He's looking for faith in the earth. Is there someone who will just believe me? We looked at Psalm 78, 41, and, and Mark 6, even verses 5 and 6. Jesus himself was limited in what he could do. The perfect Son of God couldn't do what he wanted to do because of unbelief. That's what the Scriptures teach, Mark chapter 6. So God has established this system in the earth, and he always operates by it. All we need to do is simply learn it. And it's really simple. It's not hard. It's so simple. So we started looking back at our family history at the first Adam. We're going to go back there in a, in a moment. In Genesis, the Bible calls Adam the first Adam, and the Bible calls Jesus the last Adam. Je the last Adam came to fix what the first Adam messed up, okay? And he did it, and you'll start experiencing it once you believe it and understand it, okay? So think about that for a moment. If God could do anything he want to, why didn't he just send Jesus right after Adam fell? Boy, that would have saved about 4,000 years of grief and confusion, wouldn't it? He couldn't do it, though. He had to operate by his own system, okay? And part of his system is understanding that he's the author of life, and anything contrary to his nature is death. He's no joke. He's real. And the wages of, of, of doing something contrary to him is death. That's what sin is. It just means missing the mark. Right. Right? The mark is him. So if I choose to do something that's contrary to his nature, some type of death is going to result. Right. All right? All right? So we want to know his nature. That's the mark that we want to walk in. Okay? How good he is. So as soon as Adam fell... The wages of sin is death. The scriptures teach us that he died in multiple ways. In the Hebrew, it says, shall surely die in the English. But it means die, die in the Hebrew. In other words, you're going to die physically and you're going to die spiritually. Okay? And in order for that to be fixed, a price had to be paid. What's the wages? What was the price? It had to be a death. But it had to be a perfect sacrifice. And Adam wasn't it, and Eve wasn't it, and animals wouldn't cut it. So Jesus had to get into the earth. But why did it take so long? That's what we're going to see today, okay? The reason it took Jesus 4,000 years to get into the earth is because God had to be true to his word. He had to be true to the system that was already established in the earth. What is that system? God made man, you and me, in his image. And he made us to believe and speak 
His word, His will into the earth. So in order for Jesus to come into the earth, God needed mankind to speak His will and His word into the earth. This is going to be a, a life changer. So you got your seatbelts on? This is what the prophecies are all about. Do you ever wonder why are there so many prophecies? It's God needed people to speak His will into the earth. It's the word spoken into the earth that paves the way for God's will to be manifest. So God's simple system of believing and speaking is activated through simple faith in what He's already said and done. There's no mystery to it. It's not a guessing game. It's not a multiple choice. It's not a fill in the blanks. It's simply looking at what He's already done for us. And we can see that in the Scripture, especially in the New Testament. Okay? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Your religious goggles are off, right? The earbuds are out. We're looking at Jesus and nothing but Jesus. We don't have time for religion. We don't have time for it. We've got a destiny to fulfill. I don't have time to go through a list of sacraments and do's and don'ts. I don't have the time. It doesn't work. I need real Jesus right now. I don't have time for man's theories. I need answers. Jesus isn't a theory. He's the answer. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above Him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Come on. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above Him there's no other. Jesus is the way. 2 Corinthians 11.3. I just wrote that song, by the way. No. Andre Crouch. Andre Crouch. Wish I did. Verse 3. <laughs> Verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 11. But I fear, who's, who's writing this, by the way? Paul, right? By the, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve. We're going to look at that in a minute, so remember that little phrase. We're going to go into Genesis and see this. As the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity. Ah, oh, I love that word. Thank you, Jesus. Corrupted from the simplicity. So what would corrupted from simplicity mean? Difficult, complicated, complex. Isn't that what man's religion is? Complex, difficult. You never really know where you stand. We told you last week from the dictionary, the word simplicity simply means the quality and condition of being easy. Easy to understand and easy to do. This is easy to understand and easy to do. I know man's complicated it. But when you start interpreting the Scriptures through the person of Christ, the light comes on. Okay? So Satan's strategy is to complicate things. Why? Because the more complicated he makes it, the more difficult it is to believe and to speak. I don't know what to believe anymore. I don't know what to say anymore. Right? 
Are you, all right, you're sitting down, right? right. Here I go, I'm going to say it. For God's will to happen in the earth, someone made in his image has to believe it and speak it. That flies in the face of so much theology, but the Bible teaches it. I'm going to say it again. For God's will to happen in the earth. This is God's system. He set this up. We didn't. For God's will to happen in the earth, someone made in his image, not a chipmunk, not a rabbit, a man or a woman, a human being, has to believe it and release it with their mouth. We see Jesus in his ministry searching for someone who would believe and recognize him. I mean, there are two people that he marveled at their faith. Do you know that? And neither one of them were in God's family. Neither one of them was in the nation of Israel. One was the Roman centurion. The other one was a Syrophoenician woman. He marveled at their faith. He said, I've not found faith like this even in Israel, among God's people. Someone who will just recognize who I am and take me at my word. Who won't try and reason it away. Oh, this is so good. You remember Mary and Martha and Lazarus? Man, I love that John chapter was 11. Woo! And so Lazarus dies. He's in the tomb for four days. And Jesus shows up and Mary comes and says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus said to her, uh, he said a couple of different things. One was, uh, um, what was it? Do you, uh, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. I don't wanna, I'm not getting in the right order, but this is what I want to get to. He said this, Mary, I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you know what she said in her religious thinking? Well, I know that he'll rise up on the last day. Listen closely to me. Jesus is the now answer to your problem religion puts off your answer to some distant date that we don't know but jesus says mary i'm the right now resurrection i'm the right now answer to your problem roll away the stone lazarus come forth it's time to know jesus as the now resurrection for every situation in your life he's the now answer to your health He's the now answer to your peace of mind. He's the now answer to financial situations. He's the now answer to your children's well-being. He's the now answer. Don't let Satan corrupt your thinking and put it off to some distant date in the future. Jesus is I am, and I am is right now. Hallelujah. We saw that God gave man sovereignty over all his creation. Wow. Man was second in command. That included angels and demons. Adam had sovereignty over angels and demons. And God gave to man the responsibility of believing and speaking God's will into the earth. Didn't Jesus, when they said, teach us how to pray, what he said? He said, pray your will be done where? In the earth. 
Why would he instruct us to pray for that? Because it's not automatically done here. On earth as it is in heaven. There's no resistance to it. It's up there. We're in enemy territory. He said, I want you to speak God's will into the earth. If you don't, it's not going to happen. Isn't it amazing that the sovereign and all-powerful God chose to enter into this business relationship with us? <laughs> to get his business done in the earth? I must be about his business, believing and speaking his will into the earth? Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Did you ever notice that God was not the one who named the, the living creatures in the earth? Did you ever read that in Genesis? We're going to get to Genesis in just a second. We're just going to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you. I mean, I, I, I'll try. I'll think, okay, we're going, to, we got to, we're going to have a series on this or want to talk about that. And then I'll pray in the Spirit for a while. And you know what? The Lord will rise something up inside of me. And I say, okay, we'll go with that. It might not fit into a neat box, but I know it's going to set people free. Jesus. So why did God give man the responsibility to name the animal? He gave man the authority to name all the living creatures. Now, you know Adam was made fully developed, right? So God didn't bring to him, you know, a, a dog and he went, well, well gee, Dad, that, dog, that looks like a doggy. Is that a chicken? That must be a, a lion. No, with divine intelligence, he discerned their purpose and their place, and he named them. Why did God give man the responsibility? Because when you name something, you're in authority over it. Why do parents name their children? Because it's God's design for the parent to be the authority over that child. Why? To, to help them experience Jesus. To help them grow in the love of Christ. Right? So God did this, and you know, demons can't do this. Demons can't speak into the earth. Demons need a physical body to enter in order to do what they want to do in the earth. That could be someone under the influence of demonic dark spirits or someone who's possessed by them. That's very real. And they're looking for a voice in the earth. Someone they can influence and deceive and ultimately enter so they can speak Satan's will into the earth. It's this system that God has set up and Satan has, has used it to his advantage for far too long. It's time for God's people to know the truth and rise up and put darkness where it belongs in our lives, under our feet. Whew, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Angels can't do this. The good ones. Do you remember Cornelius? Wasn't there a guy on Planet of the Apes, Cornelius, one of the apes? Well, not, not that guy. I'm talking about the Cornelius in Acts. You remember that guy? He wasn't an ape. He's actually a guy. And uh, he was praying. And, and an angel appeared to him. Do you remember that? Somewhere around Acts 10. And what did the angel tell him? Send for Peter. Where was Peter? In the living room? He was in Joppa. I don't know, like 40 miles away, a day's journey or so. Why did he tell him to send for Peter? What, did, what was Peter going to do? Preach the gospel to him. 
why didn't the angel just save Peter the, the trip and the gas money? <laughs> Angels can't preach. That's right. yeah. They can't do it in the earth. This is not their realm. God made you for that. This is the realm he made us for. To open up our mouths to believe and to release his will into this earth. This is his system. Wow. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 21. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. <laughs> to save. Right? To save people by the releasing of his will into the earth through a human being. That's how it comes. This is, isn't this, this is changing the way we think about ourselves. This makes me want to know Him. Makes me want to know His will and speak His will. Religion tells you you can't really know His will, right? You never know really what He's going to do. Yes, we, we should. I, I can know His will beyond the shadow of it. In fact, if you don't know His will, you can't pray. What's 1 John say? This is the confidence we have. Right? That if we ask anything according to His will, we got it. So how am I going to pray if I don't know His will? This is, oh, what happened, theology? How can a person pray if they're not sure and certain of God's will for their lives? That's their, so if you don't know His will, I'm just telling you, you can't pray. Ask God to show you. And I'll tell you what, if it contradicts, if you get a spirit talking to you and it's different than what Jesus demonstrated to us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, it's not God's spirit that told you that. Because there are religious spirits that have deceived people into believing things about God that just aren't true. Jesus is the truth, okay? Woo, boy, how we doing? We okay? Need to jump a little bit? It's all right. So only man has this responsibility and this ability. Only man was made in his image. And boy, does Satan try and uh, abuse this. And, and how he tries to deceive us to believe and to speak ungodly things. So he can move in the earth. Right? That's what's amazing. We were talking about this, you know, cursing. I, I didn't even think about it because I didn't know Christ. But you think, oh, what cursing. What am I doing when I'm cursing? I'm cursing, right? I'm releasing darkness into the earth, right? I'm, I'm, giving, the, I'm giving the enemy an opportunity to act on, on the faith that I'm releasing. Faith can be in the negative or positive, right? Is this okay? Satan tries to abuse it. Okay, now let's, go, now let's go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. We finally made it. Genesis chapter 3. I want to encourage you not to be afraid. You can know Jesus yourself. You don't have to go to church afraid. What if I hear something wrong? Oh, no. Where do I? Jesus is the answer, and you can know him personally. All right, so in Genesis chapter 3, we're going to see something. Satan steals the sovereignty that God gave to Adam. All right? And then we're going to see in Romans, it says exactly that. Chapter 1 of chapter 3 Verse 1. Okay. Now the serpent was more subtle. What does that word mean? Cunning in a bad sense in this context. Than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now this is obviously supernatural. What happened here? Satan entered into a serpent. 
Right? He needed a body to speak out of. He didn't have any authority in this realm. And he said unto the woman, uh, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? That's heavy. I mean, that's a lot of weight to carry. God filled the, the, the garden with the most beautiful trees you could ever imagine. And if he would have told them, you can't eat, none of these you can eat from. That's heavy. Satan is trying to make God's word heavy. Did he quote God accurately? No. no, he did not. Right? He's making it heavy. Right. He's adding to what God said. Correct. That's what religion does. It adds to what God said, and it's a heavy weight that no one can carry. Mm-hmm. He didn't say that at all. So the woman says unto the serpent, Well, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden. She got that right. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, One tree, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it. Is that what he said? No. No. What'd she do now? She added to it. Anytime someone adds a requirement to what God has already said, it gets heavy. And it'll lead you away from him. And it is astounding how many requirements have been added to the gospel in America. So she adds to it. Verse 4, And the serpent says unto the woman, You shall not surely die. Well, let's pause there for a second. Go back to Genesis chapter 2. And let's see what God said. Verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden, You may freely eat. You don't have a care in this world, man. I made you in my image. And of every tree, you may freely, without a care, without a worry, without a fear, in perfect liberty, enjoy everything I've made for you. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Why? Because I'm stingy and I'm trying to keep something from you that's mine. No, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. I mean, one of the first things we begin to teach our children is not stick their fingers in the light sockets when they're crawling around the house. And why did we do that? Because we didn't want them to get hurt, right? And they would go to reach for that socket. We'd say, no. And they try to get, no. Right? They don't do it anymore, do you guys? It's awesome. So, <laughs> but why? Why? Because we don't want them to die. All right? We, I don't understand all the, the depth behind that tree. I don't know. There's things we'll never know. We'll never fully know what God knows. But we do know He's good. That He never harmed us. He never hurt us. He's not perverted. That anything He wants for us is the best. So if He says no, okay, then it's no. And I trust Him. All right? So He says, for in the day you eat it, you shall surely die. There it is. That's the, in the Hebrew, die, die. We say surely die in English. You'll die spiritually and you'll die physically. Now let's go back to Genesis 3, verse 4. So what did God say? You shall surely die. What did Satan say in verse 4? And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. Okay, we've got two different opinions here. No, we got, no, we don't have an opinion. Satan is, is, would be the only one with an opinion. You know, God has no opinions. Isn't that great? What he says is truth, right? So, boy, what is Satan doing here? 
Yeah, he's, he's lying. And more than that, he, he's calling God a liar. Right? For God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes are going to be open. And you're going to be as God's, knowing good and evil. So what a strategy. I mean, this is clever. It really is clever. He starts by adding requirements to God's word. Then he calls God's word into question, misquotes it a little bit. Then he directly contradicts God's, what God said and indirectly calls him a liar, right? And, he's, and then he's, he's calling God's character into question, saying he's keeping something from you. He knows when you eat that, you're going to be just like him. And you're going to see what he's really up to. And you won't be able to let him play you anymore. Isn't that what he's saying? You're missing out by listening to him. I've got something better. Right? Isn't that what he says today? Same thing. He hasn't changed. He's still a liar. Same tactics he'll use on you and me. Verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, so what's she using? She saw with what? Yeah, and, and that's one of our senses, five senses, right? And a, tree des- and a tree to be desired to make one wise. How has she come to this conclusion? By listening to Satan and by using her senses, not her spirit. We were learning that in get-togethers, right? Difference between your spirit and your, your body, your senses, right? Sometimes your senses will tell you something and your spirit saying, no, that's not it. We walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. We're, we, we live life making decisions from our spirits, not our senses. All right? Hallelujah. So, and she took of the fruit thereof. So she, she eats it. And she gives also unto her husband, Bob, who was right there with her. Right? And he eats it. He was listening the whole time, never said a word. Boy. Now, before you get too hard on him, we would have probably done the same thing, right? We've all, listen, we've all blown it. Come on, let's be honest. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. I would have probably been sitting in the recliner watching the Pats play or something like that, you know. Missed the whole thing, I don't know. Did you see that touchdown? Eve, what happened? Oh! You know? Verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. What happened? Shame came upon them. There's nothing wrong with the way they were made. But they saw things differently now. They saw things with a perverted view. They couldn't look at each other anymore. Thoughts of perversion, shame, fear, anxiety, condemnation, which is the root of it all, came upon them, right? And they sewed fig leaves together. Like, that's going to help, right? There's a good religious solution for you. Tree of the fig leaves. Church of the, of the first fig leaf. Okay. If you come to our church, we'll give you fig leaves. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. I do like fig newtons, however. Uh, man went, so hey, this is amazing. So man goes from living his life by his spirit to being imprisoned by his flesh. He died in his spirit. His spirit was separated from God. And, and at this moment, Satan stole the sovereignty over the earth that God gave to Adam. 
He used the spiritual law against man. Satan did. See, God has spiritual laws. You know, just like physical laws. What is the spiritual law that Satan used to trap Adam? It's found in Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Let me as well go to Romans. We're going to finish in Romans anyway. Romans chapter 6, 16 says this. Do you not know? See, it's good to know how God operates, the will of God, His nature, what the, the, the system He set up. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Satan knew if he could get Adam and Eve to obey him, they would become his slaves. They didn't know that. He knew that. Or maybe they did and just forgot it. I don't know. Either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. You're a slave to the one you obey. Wow. Now let's look at Romans 5.17. Are you ready? This is so powerful. This is so powerful. You see, if you want to understand the Old Testament, you cannot do it apart from Jesus. Can't. Impossible. Impossible. Can't understand the Old Testament apart from faith in Christ. You can't understand it, okay? You've got to, it's, it's the New Testament that brings to light what happened back then. All right? Romans 5.17, this is the Weymouth translation, says, For if through the transgression of the one individual, who was that? Adam. Bub, right? Adam. <laughs> Death made use, Satan made use of the one individual, look at this, to seize the sovereignty. What a plan. And he did it. Was it God's will? Never. Are you nuts? No. And when Satan seized that sovereignty, he took Adam's place. And the scriptures say he became the God of this world. <laughs> That's why bad things happen in this earth. That's why there's murder and rape and diseases and sickness and disease and wars. I don't want to shock you, but world peace is never going to happen. Because Satan's in the earth. That doesn't mean we don't try. That we, don't, we love people as Christ loved us. We're lovers, not haters. Right? But the reality is this thing's, uh, Christ is coming back. There's, there's no, that's, that's, a, that's a good goal for world leaders, but it's not going to be achieved. Because no. world peace is not dependent upon how much I smile. Correct. It's dependent on Satan getting bound and thrown in hell where he belongs. And that day's coming. And boy, you're going to see some peace in the earth then. Woo. There's going to be no question what God's will is then. Hallelujah. So, we're we doing a long time. Pretty good. We're going to finish it up right here. Now, is that really true? Satan became the God of this world. Do you know when Jesus came to earth as a man, he knew that? He knew Satan was the God of this world? He knew he was stepping into enemy territory? In fact, in Matthew chapter 4, I'm just going to read it uh, before we continue with Romans 5.17, and then we'll finish. 
Jesus tempted Satan with the kingdom. Excuse me, Satan tempted Jesus. Thank you very much. Yeah. God can't tempt, right? Some things, hey, things can come out of a person's mouth, but you know Jesus, right? We make mistakes, right? Sometimes your tongue just doesn't work right. So Satan tempted Jesus with what belonged to Satan. Look at verse 8 of Matthew 4. If this wasn't true, it wouldn't have been a temptation. Let me look at this now. Satan's the God of this world. Again, the devil took him, Matthew 4, verse 8. Again, the devil took Jesus up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Verse 9, and he said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Listen closely. If they didn't belong to Satan, it would not have been a temptation. The lie in what Satan said was not that the kingdoms belonged to him. The lie was what he would do if Jesus bowed down. He wouldn't have gave Jesus anything. He would have jumped on his head. That was the lie. Okay? What did Jesus say to him? Away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. In other words, Jesus said, I know how you got what you got, and I'm not falling for that. You stole it from Adam, but I'm the last Adam, and I'm here to take it back. So this is God's system for beings made in His image to speak His will into the earth. And in order for his will to happen, he needs you and he needs me to believe it and to speak it daily. All right? Now, I, don't, I haven't counted them, but from the research I've done, there are some 350 to 400 prophecies in the Old Testament of Jesus. Why so many? We're talking about God being wrapped in human flesh and coming into the earth. A lot of word needs to be released in the earth for that to happen. So I want you to understand that was the role of the prophet in the Old Testament to prepare the way of God's salvation and to do that by speaking who Christ was into the earth. Didn't Jesus on the, uh, what was the road of of Emmaus? Uh, He began to to explain to them the gospel, why he came. He started with Moses and went through all the prophets, right? You'll find Jesus all throughout the Old Testament. Right? So that was the purpose. Jesus just couldn't step into the earth. He couldn't do it. The darkness took over. And you'll see in the Old Testament, God was just trying to kind of find somebody who'll just believe me. Somebody, please, who'll just believe and speak my will into the earth. And that's what the purpose of all the prophets and the founding fathers were, to speak God's will into the earth, to pave the way so that God could bring us the salvation he wanted to bring on day one. And it took nearly 4,000 years. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And you know, the people that stand out in the Bible are the ones who just believed Him. Right? Hallelujah. But thank God His Word was released in the earth enough for Jesus to come. Hallelujah. And He came, and oh, what victory we have. Let's finish by looking at a couple more translations of Romans 5.17. Then we're all done. How are we doing? We still awake? 
Hallelujah. Romans 5, 17. Let's read it again in the Weymouth and we'll read a couple more. For if through the transgression of the one individual, death made use of the one individual, Satan through Adam, to seize the sovereignty, aren't you glad that isn't the end? All the more shall those who receive God's overflowing grace and gift of righteousness. What do we do? Reign. Oh my goodness. Reign. This is about authority, isn't it, right? Reign as kings in life. Right now in this earth. Right now. The one individual through the one individual, Jesus Christ. He's our king and we're his kinglings, I guess. huh? Philip's New Testament. Let's read that same verse. For if one man's offense meant that men should be slaves to death all their lives. That's the Phillips New Testament. It is a far greater thing. Then why does religion talk so much about sin? Because they don't know the far greater thing that's happened through Jesus. We should be talking way more about what Jesus did. Way more. Way more. For it's a far greater thing. That through another man, Jesus Christ, the last Adam, men by their acceptance of his more than sufficient grace and righteousness should live all their lives like kings. Woo! Hallelujah! Listen to me, a king doesn't have any reason to be depressed. A king doesn't have any needs. Every need is met. Jesus has met every need according to your, his riches in glory. Look at the Passion Translation. Death once held us in its grip. And by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. Wow. Lights are coming on. But now, Jesus has come. We're not under the old covenant anymore. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace? And continue reigning as kings in life enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. You know, you can take pictures of these on your phone, right? And just go home and look them up online or if you've got translations at home. So listen now. We got a, this is the first day of a new week. Our Heavenly Father needs us to walk in our regal freedom this week. All right? He needs us to reign as kings on His behalf in this world to walk in our God-given authority, not over people, over darkness. All right? Have you ever wondered why it says in Romans chapter 10 uh, that uh, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved? 
Why does it say Jesus as Lord? What's the big deal about that? Because in this earth presently, there are only two authorities. Satan's authority, which he stole and perverted, and God's authority through Jesus. And if you're going to experience God's salvation, you need to be under God's authority. The word authority simply means the nature that flows from the author. If I'm under God's authority, I'll experience His nature. Life abundantly. If I'm under Satan's authority, I'll experience His nature. Darkness, confusion, depression, sickness, disease, lack. All right? Let's pray. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. We acknowledge your presence right here. We're done playing church. We want you. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge what you have done this morning in our midst. This is not man's doing. Us being here wasn't a chance. You brought us here. You love us so much. You're teaching us how to live in this earth victoriously. You're teaching us your nature and your will. Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us Jesus to light the way so that we can know you beyond the shadow of a doubt so we don't have to wonder about your will anymore. But we can pray with confidence and certainty every day of our lives for the rest of our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the light of Christ in this place right now. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.